Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Brown Girl White Coat. This is your co-host Alana and I know it's only been a month but it feels like it's been forever since the last time I recorded an episode and I've missed you guys. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I've learned that we have been having an awesome amount of interaction and listening on and following on this podcast and I'm just really thankful to have you guys here and interested in what we have to say and what we have to share. It feels like so much has happened since my last episode, so I hope that you're doing well. Hopefully your 2021 is treating you a little bit better. Maybe you're looking at life with a little bit more positivity, a little bit more hope for the future. Um, Recently, I finished up my last week of didactic classes, and I'm done with them forever. I start clerkships in a little over a month, um, so I'm really excited about that, and I'll keep you guys posted on how that goes. Um, Also, we got a new president, and I don't know if you guys tuned into the inauguration, but I hope you saw every look that was served. I mean, Michelle Obama's neck is still imprinted. Her neck. (laughs) Michelle Obama's foot is still imprinted in the side of my neck because she was just killing shit. Um, And now we're in February of 2021. I mean, time is stinking flying, and I'm really happy around this time because It's just filled with so many different aspects of love, you know, whether it be relationship-wise or self-appreciation. I know a lot of people throw those anti-Valentine's Day parties with their girlfriends or with their guy friends just to celebrate their singularity, their singleness, I don't know, Um, and just kind of like appreciate themselves and where they are, what they want to accomplish. I just love it for everyone. Most of all, I love this time of the year because, and specifically this month, because we all get to bask in the essence and in the importance of Black history. Since this is February's first episode and it is Black History Month, I feel like it's only appropriate to start with a fun Black history fact. So Dr. Dorothy Lavinia Brown was the first Black female surgeon in the South. This is in the 50s where racism is still super heavy and openly prominent. Women are still even being discriminated against. So being a black woman is extremely difficult in this time. So for her to become a surgeon and then she was named the chief of surgery for 30 years is incredible. Unfortunately, the hospital that she was the chief at no longer exists, but I do actually attend the school that she completed her residency in, which is pretty awesome. She's also the first black woman to be made a fellow at the American College of Surgeons And then she was elected to serve in the Tennessee House of Representatives, where she fought for women's rights for abortion and rights for people of color. And I just think that is really awesome. It also kind of reminds me of the importance of implementing healthcare into policy because there is just so much wrong with the healthcare system, and a lot of it boils down to how the administration is run, the laws that are implemented, the politics that play a role and it is really cool that she took a stance in both sides of the spectrum. Anyway, all that being said, today's episode is about podiatric medicine. As you listen, you'll get to know Yona, a third-year podiatric medical student who attends California School of Podiatric Medicine at Samuel Merritt University. This episode is full of information about podiatry as a specialty, podiatry school, and how it is similar to and different from med school. Well, Podiatry school is also med school, but most people view medical school as quote-unquote more traditional and podiatry school as podiatric medicine, if that makes sense. He and his bestie Diksha also run a YouTube and Instagram channel 
at The Podiatry Journey. So T-H-E-P-O-D-I-A-T-R-Y-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. So please check them out and give them a follow if they're in alignment with your goals or you just kind of like them, you want to hear more of what they have to say and learn really cool things from them. So whatever you're doing while you're listening to this podcast, whether it be driving, cleaning, relaxing in your bed, I hope you guys enjoy. Hello, Yona. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me uh, on today. Thank you so much. I am obviously super excited. I personally don't know much about podiatry, but I'm really excited to learn. Um, I think it's a field that a lot of people need exposure in because how are people supposed to pursue something that they aren't, you know, familiar with? Right, right. And I'm, I'm here. I'm open to answer any questions that you have and uh, just anything that you have like concerns about. I, I'm here to just answer those. So I'm excited for today's episode. Great, great. So first off, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Yona. I'm a third-year podiatric medical student at CSPM, which is the California School of Podiatric Medi- Medicine, uh, located in Oakland. Um, and yeah, I am just enjoying life as COVID times are hitting us all, unfortunately, but are just making do with whatever we have. Oh, yeah. COVID is hitting a lot of us extremely hard, but you know, we're plugging and chugging, trying to make it to the finish line. So right. you say you're in Oakland. How uh, how do you like living in Oakland? How is school there? How do you like your program that you're in? Uh, yeah, so Oakland is is fantastic. Um, San Francisco is right across the bridge, which is beautiful as well. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot of restaurants here. There's just a lot of things to do here. And the weather is really nice, actually. It's, it's not too cold, um, but it doesn't get usually hot very often. So overall, it's just a, it's a great location to live in. And who doesn't like California? So right. That's awesome. Best of both. Best of both worlds. Yeah. No, exactly. I've only been to California twice, lived there when I was a baby. And then recently I just went to Los Angeles and it was December and the weather was to die for. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. I'm actually, I'm actually from uh, Los Angeles. So oh, really? I totally can get that. Yeah. Los Angeles weather is probably the best weather in my Top opinion. Top tier. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> really, really cool. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, um, can you tell us some of your highs and lows of the last week or just any time? Yes. Yeah, so currently I'm actually on my uh, general rotation for cardiology and ACLS training. And it's actually been really fun. We've been actually doing simulations for mega codes and getting ready for those just in case if I'm in find myself in the ICU department and somebody is coding or if there's a code blue. Um, we're just trying to learn how to instruct to be team leaders in scenarios like that and what to do with uh, the defibrillator, what medications to give and how to open up the airway for a patient. So it's actually been really nice. And um, it's nice that we actually have a simulation center um, ready for us, for us medical students. So it's, that's actually been our, our high. Um, some of the lows, I would say, have just been uh, just the circumstances of that, the, that some of our rotation is actually restricted and limited to the COVID restrictions. And unfortunately, we're not getting the best uh, possible rotation uh, we would like because we would we usually would do in-person stuff but unfortunately 
everything with the restrictions and us medical students not being super essential at the moment. It's just, it's kind of holding us back from the real education experience that we actually need. Um, but hopefully things will start to get better and I will be getting my second uh, vaccine dose next week. So I'm excited for that. Okay, so great. Yeah. Some some good highs and some understandable lows. I mean, right. I can only imagine being on rotations and then them saying, you know what, actually, you guys can't come to the hospital. Right. Sorry. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. But hopefully you're learning. I mean, I'm sure this is still an exciting rotation that you're on. And hopefully once everybody prayingly gets vaccinated, um, things can kind of start to shift into a relative form of normal. Right, right. Okay. And one more thing. If everybody on this podcast was to go out and buy something right now, what would you tell them to get? Yeah. Um, I would definitely recommend a sketchbook. Uh, and that's, it's strange, right? But um, I'm the type of person who likes to write things down and I'm, I'm a, I, I like to learn everything through writing things down. I just can't type as well. Um, but yeah, having a sketchbook with organized notes and being able to draw freely on it without having any lines on it without feeling restricted. I just love that capability of knowing that you just have the sketchbook, you can do anything you want with it. And I think also organizing my days and my weeks through it because there's also a planner section in it uh, is something really, really nice to have. And it honestly makes life just a little bit better when you're a bit more organized, in my opinion. That actually sounds great. I've never yeah. tried to use a sketchbook as like my means of organization, right? Right. I usually, it... I... no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. I was just saying, I just learned this from a, a friend from college and I, and I saw, I saw him using a sketchbook for class all the time. I was like, are you, what are you, what are you doing with a sketchbook? Like, yeah. It's weird. And he was saying, oh, look, you have 300 pages of just blank canvas pages and you could just do whatever you want. I was like, oh, that's probably great. That's a great idea. That's actually really smart. To be completely honest, I'm going um, to Target and to buy just like little essentials tomorrow. So I'm going to add a sketchbook to my list. Awesome. That's, really That's good smart. to hear. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Super cool. So would you mind repeating the name um, of the school that you're currently enrolled in? Yeah. So I'm in uh, California School of Podiatric Medicine. It's at Samuel Merritt. It's in Oakland. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit, how does podiatric medicine differ, well, quote unquote, differ from quote unquote, regular medicine? Because I understand that there's a separate school of medicine for you guys, but not too much after that. Yeah, to that's a great question. And we get that question all the time. And uh, truthfully, it's, it's still considered medical school, um, mm -hmm. but it's actually a subspecialty of medicine where we uh, specialize in the foot and ankle region. And that's what our specialty is made, uh, tailored for. And um, a lot of people don't understand what our schooling is about, what we do, what does it entail. So actually, we go through four years of uh, podiatric medical school with those first two years, including didactic classes, which are actually the same as uh, typical MDDO schools. Mm -hmm. And they also include uh, podiatry related or lower extremity related classes such as a podiatric medicine, lower extremity, more focused lower extremity anatomy courses, podiatric surgery co courses. And then for our next two years, we actually do um, clinical rotations as well as externships our fourth year. So that's really a lot of what our schooling comes down to. And then for the next after those four years, we go through three years of surgical-based residency, 
where every podiatrist is essentially a, a surgeon. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew that there was a lot of surgery in podiatry, but I didn't right. realize that. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it takes people back because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I want to be a surgeon. Can podiatry offer that type of lifestyle? And we like to say it's actually mandatory for you to go through <laughs> surgical based residency. So you actually can do that. Wow. That yeah. is incredible. I mean, there's just so many different ways that surgery can be incorporated into medicine. And right. I recently learned that in the field of OB, there's a crap ton of surgery that is available. Yeah. I, I, think it, but. I heard about that too. And I was like, whoa, like really? I And that's the thing. Like we just have to keep educating ourselves and listening to other people and see what they have to offer. And I'm just, it's always surprising what medicine always has to offer. Oh yeah. So why did you choose podiatry over, I guess, I don't want to say MDDO, but like the other medical tracks? That's a that's another great question. Um, so just a little bit of backstory for me. Um, uh, I'm just going to keep it short and simple. I've had five foot surgeries growing up, and wow. I've had a lot of surgeries done on my my foot my foot and ankle region. And each of those surgeries are done by an orthopedic surgeon. Um, however, my friend during my third year of college introduced me to this field of podiatry. She said. Oh, there's somebody who there's actually doctors who specialize the foot and ankle region. You should probably shadow them, see if you like them. And I was like, I was already dead set in going to uh, the classic MD route or DO route for being a, hopefully an orthopedic surgeon one day. Mm -hmm. But after my, after my shadowing experience, I realized that uh, these types of doctors, these podiatrists are actually doing a lot of conservative treatment, actually having one-on-one -on -one patient time. And it was, and they had a nice work-life balance. And I really like that aspect of podiatry. And I'm not taking away from any other field, of course. And you can find that in other parts of medicine as well. Yeah. But the, the idea that conservative treatment was their number one course, as opposed to the classic orthopedic surgeon round, route, which is they'd like to do a lot of surgery versus a lot of conservative treatment, uh, it, it allowed me to realize, oh, I definitely want to go into the conservative treatment aspect of things. And knowing that I went through the more aggressive route of going through surgery and realizing my first two surgeries were didn't go so well, I, I want to be more in the preventative care side of things. So the idea that podiatry offers that side is one of the one of the multiple things that I love about this field. And that's why I chose to go through this route. That's really awesome. I mean, yeah. five foot surgeries, that's insane. But right. I feel like you've I know. Kind of gained a lot more than just, well, I had foot surgery and now I really like it. So I want to, you know, pursue this field. I mean, right. I didn't really think about the continuity of care that podiatry pretty much offers. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's again, like um, a lot of people don't understand that um, a lot of people think we just do a lot of foot and ankle stuff, which is true. And we just cut toenails all day. Um, <laughs> but we, we get that all the time. But it's it, there's a lot more to it. Right. We we look into the anatomy, look at the neuro neurology of things, the dermatology of things, musculoskeletal parts of the foot and ankle, the vascular parts. So we have to learn all this, all these different um, multitude of things that apply to the foot and ankle region. And that's why we specialize in X uh, and then become experts in this. And so it's it's beautiful because you can do a lot of things and you can work with a lot of different providers who do uh, vascular, who do orthopedics, and it's it's a nice it's a nice mix of things. Yeah, that is really incredible. That's great. 
Right. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, your path to school or podiatry school? Um, like, did you do any extra programs after graduating from college or anything like that? Yeah. So um, just just to let everyone know that applying to podiatry school is not as different than applying to typical MDDO school or medical school, mm -hmm. because you actually still have to take the MCAT. Um, you okay. still have to take all your prerequisite classes, your f physics, your biology, your chemistry, your organic chemistry. Um, on top of that, you still have to, you have to actually shadow a podiatrist, mm. which is a way to confirm that you want to be doing this field because it's a very, it's a, it's a very niche field. And, um, I did all my extracurriculars and doing research. I was part of a research lab for microbiology for two years. I also did cancer research as well. And I also was part of a cooking club, which again, <laughs> I think I think you need to have some variety in your extracurriculars. You can't just oh, be yeah. um, a robot in doing the classic, oh, join a hospital, to be a scribe, that yes. sort of thing. I, and I think that's what admissions want to see. They want to see some personality, some life in you. Mm -hmm. So that I love cooking and I, I adore cooking and helping people cook. So um, being part of a club for that and starting a club at my school and helping teach uh, students how to cook was really nice. Um, as well as I would also volunteer at my local synagogue in Los Angeles, helping uh, people out as well. So there were a few things that I, I like to do for my extracurriculars during that time. And so I took the MCAT, did all my prerequisites, did that, my extracurriculars, shadowed two podiatrists for a total of three months and applied to MDDO and DPM. And long story short, I chose the DPM route and I am enjoying it. That is awesome. You seem like a pretty well-rounded yeah. person. I mean, you're the first person that I've met that says like, hey, I took a cooking class and I freaking loved it. And yeah, have to do the boring stuff that everybody kind of says that you need to do to get into medicine. Right, right. I, I, and I, I try to tell people like, I know it's really nice to have the scribe, the hospital position, the volunteering. And don't get me wrong. If you're passionate about that, do that. But don't yeah. put something there for just one day, two days that you volunteered for, mm -hmm. because that's not really showing commitment. You want to sh you want to show commitment in something that you're passionate about. So I was very passionate about cooking and you can do a lot of things with just uh, cooking. And it's one of those passions I really have. So I really, really enjoyed great. it. That's really, yeah. really great. Um, so kind of going back on the application process, is it the same as, do you have like a, a, an interview in person or I know you said you had to shadow, do your, do those, um, letters of recommendation matter a little bit more or. Right. Oh, sorry. I totally forgot to mention that. So oh, okay. you do have to get a letter. You do have to get a letter of recommendation from a podiatrist, uh, one letter of recommendation more, the be better. Um, also, two letter of recommendations from professors or a health counselor, a pre-health counselor, um, as well as you do go do uh, in-person interviews. Unfortunately, right now it's all virtual, but yes, right. you still have to do interviews as well. And that is pretty much it. Okay. It covers it all. Yeah. Okay. I think one of the benefits of having, you know, virtual interviews is you can have business on top, pajamas on the bottom. Right. <laughs> Something I've been living in, to be completely honest, but don't tell my professors because uh, they'll be all busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think um, I was actually doing a virtual rotation with one of my professors mm -hmm. and uh, 
I stood up to go to the bathroom and he saw me wearing pajamas and, <laughs> and he was like, Oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh no, you saw me with no, pajamas. Like, I know. And it, it just gets a little awkward, but it's funny. You get a good laugh out of it. So it's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's funny. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, would you, I know you applied to, um, you said all three, so MD, DO and DPM or DMP. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, would you say that applying to the um, podiatric, I guess, field is more lucrative or a little more intense or a little more competitive than the MDDO programs? So talking about statistics, um, numbers wise, the typical MCAT score average for um, matriculants for podiatry school is around a 500. Okay. Um, and then I think for DOs, it's around a average 510. And I think believe for MD, it's around 512, 515 could mm -hmm. range from different schools yes. and then and then for gpa wise for podiatry school it's around a 3.3 cumulative and around similarly for science gpa it's around a 3.3 and i know for gpas for DOMD, it's a little bit higher for sure on that scale so in terms of um intensity or rigor and an application um looking at just numbers yes it is easier to apply to podiatry school however it's what a lot of the admissions really base a lot of their stuff is when you come to those interviews and you answer the questions that are solely related to podiatry and why you really want to be in this field, because uh, they can really tell if you are just doing this just for safety or if you were just really unsure and you just want to just go into a medical school route, quote unquote. So it's, it's yes, statistically it's different and it looks easier on paper, but actually when it comes to admissions and those questions, uh, you could be flustered and you could, you probably won't be prepared for some of those questions if you're not flexible enough with the idea of being in this uh, type of field. Mm, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's a pretty good point because I do know kind of a lot of people that, decide that, oh, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure that I want to do medicine, but I think it's a good route. So why don't I just right. apply for this? And then they get, you know, kind of taken aback when they're asked direct specific questions on what they want to pursue or. Yeah. And it, it's, it's true um, because whenever we read up, I sometimes we read personal applications from students who apply to MDDO route and they tell us, oh, we haven't changed our essay, our personal essay st or personal statement for MDDOs to DPM. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, uh, you probably should change it because <laughs> it's not really saying why podiatry specifically. We understand why you love medicine. We understand right. what your passion is, but there's a complete difference between, between just medicine and specifically the field of podiatry. So it's just something that we just wanna make clear to people who are listening or who are applying to podiatry school. Yeah. Another thing to kind of note is I know you said statistically it's quote unquote easier to get in, which I don't think it's easier to get into one school over the other, right? But sure. it's interesting that all of you end up completing a surgical residency and surgery is literally one of the hardest fields of medicine, forms of medicine to master, right? So right. this is not a field to be underestimated at all. And again, we I like I like to tell people we take a lot of the same classes with additional classes like the mm -hmm. typical MDDO schools. So yes, yeah, sure, you got into uh, podiatric medical school, but don't underestimate 
any type of medical school because it's going to hit you yeah. and it's going to be hard. And you're, it, nothing has ever prepared you for those moments where first year where you're taking a bunch of classes, you're running out of time, you're trying to time match everything. So uh, it, it, it can break you and it can burn you out. So people need to understand that. Sure, it looks, it looks good on paper that statistically, oh, I fit the criteria, but not, nothing can prepare you with those first few weeks of medical school. Oh, for sure. I'm still a little yeah. traumatized, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay. So you said you are currently in your third year, correct? Yes. Can you tell, I know your rotations look a little differently than you expected when you got to um, medical school, but right. do you think that the transition between, I guess, the didactic portion of schooling and rotations was easy for you? Was it difficult? How can you mind shedding a little light on that? Sure. Um, so we're the only school out of the nine podiatric medical schools that actually do didactics with clinical rotation starting the starting at the end of our first year, beginning of our second year in the wow. summer. So actually, we're thrown into the deep end very fast, and yeah. it's it's very tough. I can tell you that because second year for us, we were taking pharmacology pathology, microbiology, um, all sorts of classes that were very difficult for a lot of us to even handle, plus clinical rotation in person, going to the hospital um, Mondays and Fridays with classes three times a week. It was tough. and um, But I would like to say that it was actually, it actually prepared us to time manage really well, um, as well as we applied a lot of the things we were learning in class in person. Okay. So it was this nice balance between things where you're like, okay, yes, I'm running out of time. I have a midterm this week while I have uh, rotations going on. However, I'm learning a lot through rotation and I can apply this on the midterm because a lot of our midterm stuff is clinical application stuff. So it was, it, it's, the, it's sometimes there's a good and bad to it. So there's a balance and it was rough, but we were able to do it. A lot of our professors were guiding us, being very lenient with the understanding of like, oh, you're going to rotations, you're probably burnt out, you're doing f from 7 to 5 p.m. every day on Mondays and Fridays. We totally understand. So there's, there's, there is this sort of understanding by the attendings, by the professors, um, with your uh, class load as well as your clinical rotation load. So there was a good balance. Holy cow, I cannot imagine going in and being still first year and starting clinical rotations kind of <laughs> off of the jump and then having right. to study on top of that is that's insane. Oh uh, yeah. It, it was tough. It was tough, but you know, we made it and uh, I'm just glad to have made it through, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is awesome. So now are you finished with the whole didactic portion of school or does it continue on? So currently as a third year, you actually do clinical rotations Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you have didactic, or you have um, courses that they're not really didactic courses, they're more sort of uh, classes that are tailored for podiatry related things. Okay. So like our podiatric trauma, our jurisprudence, our pediatric classes. So we only do, we only take classes from eight to five on Thursdays. So that's what our schedule looks like. A lot of clinical rotation and some classes that are tailored around our field of podiatry. Wow. That is yeah. very cool. A yeah. completely different experience than what kind of I've got going on. Um, our first two years, well, I guess our first year and a half is all classroom, all lab, all textbook kind of stuff. And then right. um, in a couple of weeks, I'll be starting my clinical rotations. But 
I'm thankful that I don't have to balance, you know, studying. I don't know if you guys use first aid or anything at all, but yeah. studying with those and then also, oh, that just makes my brain oh, explode. No, yeah, <laughs> let's not go to first aid. I, I, I finished my boards, my first part of boards in uh, the end of the summer. And okay, uh, I, used, I used a lot of first aid. First yeah. aid, but man, that was that was tough. First aid is just, oh my God. A lot of information to absorb. A lot of information. So can you tell us a little bit about the boards? Do you take, is it still step one USMLE or is it a completely different platform? So it's actually, it's not USMLE, it's APMLE, um, okay. American Podiatric Medical Licensing Examination. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually take three of those boards. One are the end of our second year, one at, towards the middle of our fourth year, and then one during our residency training. Um, so it actually is a little bit different from USMLE, uh, I believe, because USMLE is a lot of clinical applications where you're reading a bit, a paragraph and you have to deduce what to do for that patient uh, based off the question stem, as opposed to the APMLE, it's more of memorization where either you, you when you read the question, you immediately should recall or know the answer. So there's not those type of clinical scenarios that you're given on those so they're they're different in that uh in that sense okay so a blessing yeah. and a curse it's either you know it or you don't exactly so and also i forgot to say that oh you, the usmle is not scored anymore is that correct yeah so i'm not i they said the latest january 2021 is or 2022 okay I honestly, I don't really know. I haven't okay. been in super step mode, but I do know that they're getting rid of the score now. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, now that the score is being, uh, thrown out, so it's similar in the, in the, in regards to that it's a pass, no pass, I mm -hmm. believe. Correct. Okay. Perfect. Okay. okay. So yeah, yeah. Ours was pass, no pass. So okay, it's nice that way too. Yeah. That's great. That way you don't have to super stress on getting a certain number to match into whichever, I guess, sub sub specialty of podiatry you want to yeah. move into. Right. Gotcha. So can you, I mean, I know there's probably a zillion different subspecialties of podiatry, but can you shed a little bit of light on some of the common ones, some of the interesting ones? Yeah. So, so, in general, when you go through four years of podiatric medical school, you learn a little bit of everything, biomechanics, sports medicine, diabe uh, diabetic care, wound care, uh, vascular. And that's when when you apply to your residency program, each residency program has a little bit of something that's unique about them. And one could be more research-based, one could be more surgery-based, um, and one can have more of sports medicine, that sort of thing. And so when you're applying for your residency programs, you're trying to see what program fits well for you and what you want to specialize more into. So if that's, let's say, uh, four-foot reconstruction or rear-foot reconstruction. But that doesn't mean that you can't, uh, you can't specialize in those things if you're going to, let's say, a more sports medicine type of residency. Mm -hmm. Because after three years of surgical-based residency, we have the option of doing a one to two years um, one to two year optional fellowship in something that you want to specialize in. Mm. So um, there's a lot of different fellowships out there. And again, a lot of the things I've listed, such as sports medicine, diabetic, diabetic wound care, or foot, forefoot, rear foot reconstruction, research even. So you can actually specialize more into that stuff after your surgical based residency, if you would like to. Gotcha. So they kind of let you dip your toes a little bit when you first get to school, but you right. don't get to totally delve into the, 
I don't want to say realms outside of surgery, but kind of the areas outside of surgery. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Very interesting. I wish, because I personally didn't even know that podiatry school was completely separate from regular medical school when I was applying. And it would have been helpful to know more about it if somebody would have told me that this was, you know, an option for me or, because this sounds really, really cool. I'm a little bit jelly. Yeah, no, it's it's really nice. And actually, uh, some of the schools, some of the podiatric medical schools actually take classes with DOs and MDs, one okay. of them being um, Shoal, which their MD, the MD students actually take classes with DPM students their first year. Okay. Um, so it's, they're actually have an integrative cu- curriculum, which is really nice. So um, we're trying to, we're trying to mix in, do things together, because again, we're taking a lot of the same classes. So Right, yeah. exactly. It's just a whole extra network of support that you can lean on and reach out. Exactly. Yeah. That is really cool. So what do you think has been one of the biggest or I guess hardest challenges that you faced since starting podiatry school? Mm -hmm. One of the hardest challenges, I would probably say uh, it would have to be time management. Um, Yeah. So I think almost every medical student goes through this, right? Where those, especially first semester in medical school, where you're just thrown into a deep pit of just information that you just have to study right off the bat and expected to have three midterms almost every week, it seems like. Yeah. And you're just not used to that volume of information. And you have to figure a way out. Your study strategy has to be revised. You have to improvise on the spot. And it's just a whole lot of, it takes a lot of adapting. And I think that was probably the most difficult period of my time as a medical student, because you have to figure that out as soon as possible, or else you're going to find yourself in a deep hole. You can't get out of it. And it will hurt you because again, for our, for our medical school, for podiatric medical schools, we have, we're based, our, everything is based off GPA scale. Mm-hmm. So we everything we need to do really well in our classes in order to be considered for good residency programs. And that's our sense. Yeah. That's our sense of where we're, where we lie in our class. And so we, you need, essentially you want to get good grades in order to get into a good residency program. So yeah, that's one of the toughest things. And I thought I left that in college, but I did. not <laughs> You know, what? to be honest, I thought I left it behind too. My school um, is also still on the um, numeric GPA. Like, oh, scale. really? Mm-hmm. A majority oh. of medical or of MD schools have transitioned to pass fail, but my school has decided they would like us to have a GPA. So, oh, that's very interesting. That's the yeah. first I've ever heard of that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very know. interesting. So it's kind of interesting to see how you kind of par up against the other medical schools when right. being compared to people with pass fail and right I guess used to be step scores but now that'll be pass fail as well so yeah things are changing things are changing yeah. for sure so it's interesting it's kind of flip-flops you guys have a very strong focus on GPA and then right. you also have a pass fail board exam exactly so, pretty cool yeah. so yeah. to kind of end the challenge thing on a high note what has been your favorite thing about school so far favorite thing would probably be Probably just the clinical rotations mm-hmm. and also being able to share my experiences through social media. And yeah. I think I think a lot of people, again, 
this is why we're having this podcast is that people are not really aware of uh, the podiatric medicine. Yes. And it's nice to see that um, me and a few other students and now many students were at the forefront of social media trying to really spread podiatry, really make people more aware of it, educate people, because it's it's a really nice field and it's really fun. There's a lot to do. And I think just sharing our experiences day by day is what makes medical school that much more enjoyable. It makes my experiences that much more fun. And it, just interacting with people who've just never heard of it, it's really, it brings a smile to me. So it's, it's one of those hobbies that you should probably pursue or have on the side if you're going through medical school, because again, things are tough and you're going to have to find free time for yourself. And for, for me and Diksha, it's through social media and through our clinical rotations and talking to patients and interacting with them. Yeah, I totally agree. So uh, to my knowledge, you and Diksha have a YouTube channel, correct? Yes, we do. Please feel free to self-plug it. Yeah, so our YouTube channel is The Podiatry Journey, and that's the same as our Instagram channel, our Instagram name, The Podiatry Journey. So again, on those platforms, on those social media platforms, again, we just try to educate people on podiatry, what it entails, some of the things we do. So yeah, hopefully you guys give us a follow and you just ask us any questions if you guys have any. Yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely um, type it out so people can either click on the link or just have like a direct, you know, way to your page so that they can check you guys out and see what's going on in podiatry, which is awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, no problem. So how do you find time um, to, I know you say that part of your free time consists of, you know, doing your social media and doing YouTube. Um, how do you find a balance there? Oh, oh. <laughs> that's a great question. I, I honestly, man, that's a great question. <sighs> I would have to say again, um, so every day or on the weekends on Sunday, I usually plan out the rest of my week. And what Diksha and I have been doing is that we actually been setting up our Instagram posts on Sunday, sending mm -hmm. uh, and just getting those ready for when to post throughout the week, as well as trying to do as much videos or recording as we can do on the weekend. And we try to dedicate a particular slot of our time at, from, let's say, 8 to 1 p.m. And we try to do as much as we can during that time. And then the rest of the time we study and meal prep. And so our Sunday is essentially doing everything we can in order for us to save time throughout the week. So we don't have to be spending doing, oh, individual cooking one day and having to cook the next day. Meal prepping, I, if you're not meal prepping, I don't know what you're doing. It's really hard. <laughs> it's, unless you're buying out, um, then that's a whole nother thing. But we're already in, all in debt. But um, right. So yeah, we do meal prepping, do all the social media stuff on Sunday. And so I think that's what really sets us up to have a lot of free time throughout the week to in order to stay on top of clinical rotations, also study for our classes and our midterms. And also just having she just bought me a planner. I haven't been using a planner. I should have been using a planner. <laughs> yes. Because typing things down on your phone on your reminders is not really the best way for me. I mm -hmm. found found that to be. So again, having an additional planner on the side and just writing out everything with priorities uh, is really keeping me focused on those and making sure that I actually finish those tasks on a timely manner. So I think that's what really keeps me or allows us to have a lot, a lot more free time to do what we would like to do. What a great way to hold yourself accountable. I mean, right. for somebody who says that their biggest 
challenge was time management. It seems like you got it down packed. <laughs> uh, you learned the hard way your first year, I believe, where Oh, for you sure. realize, oh, no, this is not working. This is Right. not working at all. I have to change it up. So, Right. Gotcha. yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So are you and Diksha family? Are you together? Are you, I meant to ask this before we got started. Yeah, no. So we're actually, we're, we're class. So we met our first year and we're, we're very good friends. We're best friends. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, a lot of people think uh, we're together Yeah. and I, it's totally perceived like that just based off our channel, the pictures we take. Right. Um, but she's, she's a sweetheart and she takes really good care of me. So um, That's we're, awesome. we're, we're the best. It's, you need to have a good friend in medical school or in anything you do. And Absolutely. she, she does keep me accountable for a lot of things I do and I keep her accountable Just and it's really nice to have that support system. That is lovely. That is absolutely Right. lovely. Support systems are everything. Right. Are, are there any common myths or any misperceptions about the field of podiatry that you would like to debunk? Yeah, yeah, that's that's another good one. Um I think a, a big one per, would probably be that um again, we're podiatrists are not actually doctors. And I think through this podcast and if people who have been listening to it would understand that we go through four years of medical school, we go through three years of surgical base residency, and we have one to two year uh, optional fellowships. And in addition, we take our surgical boards on top of um, our sort of USMLE type boards as well, which are called APMLE boards. So we go through the same sort of the same rigorous process as typical MDDOs do. So we are considered doctors and I just want that to be clear to people. And we are surgeons at the end of the day. So um, that's one of the nice positive things that comes out of this. In addition, another big misconception that I would say is that we have foot fetishes. And I, and I, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think, I think that's because we work a lot, a lot of our time is with the feet and Yeah. I, I could see why people would think we have foot fetishes, but I think people don't understand what the definition of a person who has a foot fetish. It's somebody Right, who likes right. nice, clean, perfect feet. And Mm hmm a lot of the patients we work with don't have those characteristics or those nice qualities that you're seeking as a, uh, as a person who has a foot fetish. Right. So again, we try to make sure we try to get them in good quality condition and an appropriate condition for their liking, but in no way is it, uh, is it, uh, up to the standard of a person who has a foot fetish, I can tell you that. <laughs> That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> So, yeah, I think, I think those would be one of the two biggest miscon or two of the biggest misconceptions about our field. And I just want to make that really clear here. Yeah, that is absolutely, that, I'm kind of, <laughs> one, I can't believe people don't think podiatrists are doctors. That's insane to the fact that they think that they're not doctors and also have foot fetishes and went through all this training and all of the school to look at feet that aren't at the par of fetish. Like, <laughs> And I totally understand, you know, I, and I don't, I, old me would have been mad about this, but new me is sort of like, okay, it's, it's not that they're being rude or any sorts of that. Some people are just not educated enough. And again, that's why we created the social media stuff. And that's why we have more pages that are educating people. It's just to make people more aware of what we do, because again, a lot of forums, just like student doctor network, SDN. There's a lot of toxic people there who like Mm -hmm. to Oh, make yeah. accusations and assumptions about other people's professions and what they do. Mm 
And unfortunately, people do believe that and it becomes a whole spiral of just stereotyping other people's professions. And that's a big issue that we deal with. So we're just trying to debunk as much as we can from those types of pages. As you should. I'm really glad that you guys started your platform. I'm glad that you're, you know, getting rid of all these crazy misconceptions about your field and just trying to teach people. I mean, that's, I feel like that's what this is all about, right? Exactly. All right. So I think we've reached our last question. Um, Do you have any fun facts or any just interesting things about podiatry or about the feet or about the ankle, anything you want to share? Oh, wow. That's, that's a good one. Let me think. Fun facts. Um, I think I would say that the foot has the most bones in one single area, as well as most of the smallest vessels that you could find. Um, I think that would probably be a fun fact. Don't quote me on that. Um, (laughs) I I would, I would like to believe that. Um, uh, another fun fact is that I think again, what I said before was that we're, we're just not working. We're not strictly looking at the anatomy of the foot when we're, when we're, mm-hmm. when we're seeing a patient where, when we're going into that room and evaluating a patient and doing our physical exam, we have to be trained in dermatology, uh, neurovascular, musculoskeletal. So all these aspects of medicine, we're integrating it all into one when we're evaluating a patient. And I think people who love who love to at least integrate other things from other parts of medicine could find that in this field. And I think that's one of the biggest facts that I wish I knew coming into this field, but now I'm learning it. Yeah. And it would be a, a good selling point for a lot of people, especially a lot of prospective students who are looking into um, applying and becoming a podiatrist in the future. So I think, I think those two things I would probably leave off with people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is really, really awesome. I mean, you even told me your current rotation has to do with the cardiovascular system. So yeah, that in itself should tell people, you know, we're not only on this chunk of the body. Right. Right. Exactly. So I, I, hopefully I, I answered as much questions as possible and yeah. hopefully I made it somewhat exciting that this is a really incredible field to be a part of. No, I can definitely tell. I can definitely tell. Is there anything that I didn't touch that you wanted to mention or? Um, no, I think you've clarified everything that you you could about this field. I, I, again, I, I think this is something that people should listen to. And I think this podcast would definitely do justice for a lot of people who really don't know podiatry or have some mis- misunderstandings that they would like to be uh, to they would like to have clarified. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today, Yona. I truly enjoyed our conversation. I definitely learned a lot. I'm glad. And thank you for again for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. We are happy to have you. So what did you guys think? I hope you learned as much as I did about the field of podiatry and just how podiatry school is, how it's functioning. I am definitely still going to get a sketchbook. It's been a couple days now, but I really need to invest in one. I just haven't found the time to go to the store. Um, Hopefully you guys learned something new. Maybe you learned more about podiatry. Maybe you're interested in this field and you want to pursue it, and now you have some of the tools to do so. Um, Again, don't forget to follow Yona at The Podiatry Journey on Instagram and on YouTube. And if you love listening to this podcast, please let us know how we're doing on Instagram at browngirlwhitecoatpod. You can send us a DM or leave us a comment or on my personal page at 
paging Dr. Bryant on Instagram. Or you can leave a review here on our podcast, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day wherever you are. Thank you again for listening. We appreciate you so much. Take care.